Welcome. Monday night, our Searchlight Entrepreneur's Journey on this beautiful Monday evening. Yes, as I mentioned, we're going to be having a chat with um, Jeff McAvoy from Salads Made Fresh very shortly, but I'd like to welcome my co-host, the wonderful John Burkett from Startup Redlands and from Advice Point Business Consulting. Now, John, welcome. How have you been you. in the the past month? It's been a it's been an interesting five weeks, hasn't it? Hasn't it just a lot has? I mean, it's 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 really strange. A lot has changed, but a lot hasn't changed. We're kind of still in this lockdown mode, and uh, business has been severely affected, and we've seen some pretty horrendous stuff going on. So it's it's a bizarre time in business, without any shadow of a doubt about it. Exactly. Um, however, proudly, there are a number of businesses still staying open they've had to pivot we're going to be talking about that tonight what that means and how you could do it still um bay fm weeks and weeks and weeks ago decided that we would help our local businesses to promote the fact that they are still open that they are doing things different and making sure that we help our local community so we have literally i think it's about seven pages of business that uh, have opened their doors and they are still looking after our community i'll give you a couple here there's uh, bayside service center they're open monday to saturday for all your mechanical repairs all vehicle air conditioning log log book surfacing um, auto electrical the whole lot fully qualified top-notch mechanic alex Oh, I like this. Free courtesy car wash with every service. So you can contact Alex, who's at 8 Glenister Street, Thornlands, or you can give him a buzz if your car needs a service. 0423-087-876. So give him a buzz. Or you can always give us a buzz if you miss out on the numbers. Handyman service for the Redlands and Surrounds. Friendly, reliable service and quality workmanship. Older homes are specialty. You can call Dave on 0422-048-066. So I'll give you some more of these um, businesses as we go through the evening because that's the whole point is we're here supporting businesses and supporting our local community and talking about how you can stay in business, keep your doors open. If you've got an idea... What can you do with that idea as a startup? And John, if you if you this is the first time you've joined us, John Burkett is uh, the leader of Startup Redlands. Now, do you want to just give us a, a quick yeah. rundown of what happens with Startup Redlands? Well, Startup Redlands is really a, a monthly networking event, or as we say, it was when it was running, and we'll have it running again soon, as soon as we can all legally reassemble. Um, so what we do with Startup Redlands is uh, it's really a networking event, but we base it around a pitching competition for startups. So a startup might have an ask. The ask is usually, if you've watched the things like Shark Tank, it's usually about investment money, but it doesn't have to be about that. It can be asking for input, advice, ideas, ideas, testing out your your business model. You know, I've got this idea, do you think it's going to work? That's one of the topics we've kind of got for this evening, which is about making sure, you know, are you meeting your customers' needs? You know, have you validated and checked that? That's one of the threads to this evening's discussion. But you can come along and do that ask, and we'll do a little pitching competition. We have three pitches, and somebody walks away with a couple of little prizes at the end of the evening. And uh, it's, it's a fun event, and we 
do it in the bench down in down in Cleveland. So you can have a beer or a wine. And, 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 a, and the odd little beer or, or wine is often imbibed alongside this. And uh, no, it just makes for a fun networking evening. But more to the point, you're getting people together who are interested in supporting and backing startups and, and local business. And that's really what it's about. So we're kind of deprived of that at the moment. Hence, we've come on the radio to carry on doing it, but remotely, virtually. Uh, and then we can keep on going with this thread about trying to support local business. Clearly, you know, Startup Redens is primarily concerned with startups, but we're actually, in the case of this program as well, especially with the whole COVID-19 thing, we're expanding that to more generally looking at how we can borrow some of those ideas to help any business at any stage that has to change, alter, adjust its business model, do, and to use that terminology again, do that pivot uh, to meet the client's needs a slightly different way. So that's one of the threads that we're going to be talking about in the next three hours or so. So before we um, jump into a bit of music and come back with our first guest, if you haven't heard the terminology before, pivot, what is a pivot? Pivot is, is, in very simple terms, it's where a business starts off down one direction and then realises that maybe the opportunity they're really chasing lies slightly elsewhere. So they have to change direction, change their business model a, a bit because clearly they thought, it, the, they thought the business opportunity was over in point A when actually it emerged it's over at point B and they have to then change a bit to, to do that. And it's not at all unusual, certainly for startup businesses, to pivot at least once quite frequently, twice sometimes, three times might be getting a little bit <laughs> too much. That might be look, starting to look like a little lack of strategic clarity, um, but it's not unusual. Businesses quite often pivot, and certainly that term has been coming into play with businesses that have ha that had to change. Very much. Yeah. In fact, our first guest has had to do that with um, with his business, Salads Made Fresh. Uh, we'll be talking with Jeff very shortly in regards to what he's done and has been forced to do. And the same would occur with a, a lot of our local businesses, particularly restaurants. Restaurant, well, re the classic is restaurants have had to pivot into becoming takeaway businesses. Yeah. yeah and, and that's been hard for them. It's been easier for some, harder for others, obviously. Um, on the last program, we had Rodney Winkerman, uh, who's an expert in the hospitality field, talking about some of those, those issues that they have. And if you want to catch up with that, you can catch the podcast on the website. We'll point you to that a little later. Uh, so there's all of these things. It's not just that. It's, it's not just, it's not just restaurants. It's any kind of business that's maybe got to think about addressing its market opportunity, addressing its customers, changes to its business process. That means it has to do things differently that are a fundamental change to the business model. And those are the kinds of things we hope maybe we can shed a little light on. And we certainly shall. You've got us until 10 o'clock tonight. This is Bay FM 100.3, Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey. We'll be back after Foreigner. And we'll be chatting with Jeff McAvoy from Salads Made Fresh. BFM 100.3. Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey and Foreigner. Urgent. Well, yes, there's been a little bit of urgency uh, <laughs> with chopping and changing businesses and making sure that the doors stay open. To that end, for our Entrepreneur's Journey, our first guest is Jeff McAvoy from Salads Made Fresh. Now, Jeff's going to be talking about his entrepreneurial journey uh, 
what set him on the path of Salads Made Fresh, what he was originally doing with Salads Made Fresh and what COVID-19 has done and how he's uh, had to pivot and change his story. So on the line at the moment, Jeff, hello. Welcome Hi, to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad to hear. Now, Jeff normally gets up at about three o'clock in the morning. He's a very, very busy man. Can we go back to the start of your journey with your your own entrepreneurial journey of um, salads made fresh? What were you doing? Well, my partner and I were looking around for a local business. We wanted to be part of the community and um, and have a business that served the local community. And uh, her background is in food, and uh, my background is is corporate manufacturing. So between the two of us, we were looking for something that suited those skill sets. And uh, up came a little business out at Victoria Point, which was called Salads Made Fresh, and um, <clears throat> that's where it all started. We walked in and saw all the potential. Uh, it was a quiet little business that had 80% of the business coming from outside of the region. And um, we thought there was a, a real opportunity to turn that around and and get involved in the local community and, and build it up from a local standpoint. So how long ago was that? Um, August 2018. Only a couple of years ago. And the journey yeah. that you've been on since August 2018, <laughs> literally 18 months, um, so you've turned it around to serve the local community. What were you doing with the local community? Because we really started to only hear about you from a, a, I guess, a personal consumer point of view would have been last year. And Bay FM ended up getting some wonderful salads from you for our big Bay FM barbecue. So up until then... We kind of didn't know too much about salads made fresh. So what, what was your journey from when you purchased it to really being embedded into the local community? Well, we had to assess really what the business was all about and what made it crank. And, and a lesson for anyone out there who's buying a business or starting a business, the numbers that you're presented usually don't have a lot of the bones around them. You don't really understand the business until you get into it. And uh, so we took four months and didn't change anything and just watched around us what happened. And we soon came to realise that <clears throat> we had to change our customer base and change the business focus or it simply wasn't going to grow. And how did and you do that? Well, we analysed our customer base to start with and we saw we had a, an imbalance towards wholesale distribution we were servicing we had some good clients in, in Queensland Health and uh, and Ramsey uh, private hospitals um, but we also had some distribution customers who were very low margin and uh, very demanding one of which was simply costing us money to work with and ultimately we had to shed that customer but it, it takes, a, takes some tough decisions and uh, and some strong will to make the decision to get rid of one of your top five customers by volume, but uh, it was one of the best decisions we made. 
particularly if they were costing you time, effort and money? Many a good business has gone broke being very busy, Sharon. <laughs> yes, that, is, that would be true. So it took you four months to assess the business. Then after that, how long to start rebuilding the business to more of a local focus? Well, we started with rebranding and uh, shout out to Adrian out of Express Signs there who did all our signage for us to start with, all new signs and flags and we rebadged the the vehicles. Uh, We started out as a sponsor on Bay FM and uh, we took on the gold sponsorship at Redfest eventually. That was the first Um, time that we worked with you as well for the Bay FM barbecues. That was it. And it, it was all about getting us out into the market and knowing. And uh, we knocked on a few doors and we picked up some, some of the local school canteens and some of the local bakeries. And it's uh, the relationship with Banjos is one of our bigger customers. And, uh, of course, Daryl Paramore was, a, was already a customer, I think, uh, albeit a minor one, but... You know, we're now in cooperation with him. So we've grown local business relationships and focused on supporting the community and got involved in things like uh, uh, Crime Watch and uh, Crime Stoppers, sorry, and uh, a few of the local charities uh, just to get ourselves uh, known and embedded and help out the community where we could. And you've done a brilliant job with that. We'll be back in just a moment because what I'd like to do is um, is talk after this next song about what you've what you've had to do in changing with what has happened with COVID-19 because your story up until this point has been wonderful and looking forward into the community and embracing the community in a magnificent way and that Literally for you and every other business, the carpet was ripped out from underneath your feet. I'd like to find out w- how you dealt with that when we come back in just a moment. This is Bay FM 100.3 and the Eagles, witchy woman. BFM 100.3, just great music. Gotta love Bitter Eagles, always. Witchy Woman. This is Sharon and John with you tonight. Searchlight Program, The Entrepreneur's Journey. And we're talking with Jeff McAvoy from Salads Made Fresh. Now, up to this point, we've uh, we've discovered that salads. Uh, Jeff and his partner really only took over Salads Made Fresh uh, <laughs> little over 18 months ago um, to to make sure that they could service the the local community and they were doing that magnificently so uh, some of the businesses that you were were dealing with with the salads the made-up salads and also the raw components of salads were who were they uh, Jeff well uh, places like Sharks Football Club um Redland Soccer Club, uh, a lot of touch football club uh, down at Cleveland, um, lots of sporting clubs, uh, a couple of pubs, and uh, we, we were slowly building those sorts of businesses, a, a golf club 
down towards um, Carvel too. So there's a, a few there we were working on, but um, we uh, we all got corona at about the same time and lost, uh, I think it was about 20% of our customers. Jeff, is, uh, Jeff, hi, it's John here. That's what I think is interesting about that is is you when you were speaking earlier, you were talking about how the effort you'd put into embedding yourself in the local community, which I think was fantastic. And I also love the thing about firing the unprofitable customer. I think that was absolutely brilliant and is a, is a good. Uh, sorry, John, I can barely hear you. Oh, okay. So we were talking about firing the getting rid of the unprofitable customer. Um, oh, yeah. which I think is just a really good lesson for everybody. A lot of people have got that big customer they're, they're really afraid to do something with, but they don't realize it's actually costing them money. So that's a... That's yeah, a, it's, it's a uh, when you're in a manufacturing business, it's easy to get tied up and married to the volume. But the, uh, the real lesson is it's got to be profitable volume. Absolutely, don't no right. point in working for nothing. Absolutely right. And, and you clearly understood that and you took the right action. And... Part of that was was then a choice to look for new customers and embed yourself in the local community. Hello. So, so when the COVID thing came along, uh, you kind of had a, a, a community that you could embed yourself into that led to the whole thing happening with banjos and pademoirs. What what was the catalyst for that? Was it, these people are obviously customers? What made you guys come together to do this? Uh, I'm sorry, John. You're very oh. hard to hear, but I think you're talking about uh, about uh, the alliance with, um, with banjos and animals meats. Yes. Ah, perfect. Um, well, it makes perfect sense to me to support your customers because their success is inevitably your success, and they're good, two good, strong local businesses and good local brands. And both of us, uh, we all share the same values in looking after the community. And um, it helped the Anjos out. They didn't have that uh, home delivery capacity. Um, and uh, it just makes perfect sense at the end of the day. If you support your customers, it's, it's mutually beneficial. You did have the delivery, uh, the, the vans, uh, to be able to get the produce out. So you've done that with both um, with Daryl Patamores, who we love, and Daisy Mukau. We give away meat every single week. Thank you very much to Daryl, who's wonderful. Um, plus Banjo's uh, Bakery. So you have assisted them dramatically. And I had a chat with Daryl the other day. He's just absolutely over the moon with what's been happening um, with the delivery service. So congratulations for you doing that. Well, well, thanks, Sharon. And part of the pivot strategy was to add to our own portfolio of of, uh, of products as well. So, salads made fresh is just not salads anymore. We that will sell fruit and vegetables and deliver them directly to people who initially we started out with people who are in quarantine or self-isolating. And uh, now we have some of the retirement village residents on board and that, that market's starting to grow for us. And that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, well, we figured it was a good way to help people who, a um, bit like my mum, who's, who's in her 80s now, who uh, doesn't like cutting pumpkin or doing a lot of stuff for herself. And as she said to me when I bought a food business, she said, I don't suppose Mr. Nike's parents go buy shopping and go buy shoes very much. So I think... Um, I think that was a nice hint. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very good hint. But it was also a very good pointer into a market 
that was relatively untapped locally. And that's to help people who still want to cook for themselves but can't do the preparation. Or they're sick of buying a whole bunch of shallots or a whole bunch of celery where we will just deliver one stick or one, one portion. Are you kidding? No, it's all about convenience, Sharon. You, you tell me you're like everybody else in, in Australia. We go down and we buy a bunch of shallots and mm-hmm. we take it home and we reach into the crisper and we pull out the half a bunch of soggy shallots that we finished off from last week and we throw them in the bin and we put them in the new bunch. And that yeah, is true. It is true, totally. I, yeah, I know that experience completely. <laughs> but that's the, that's the problem you're solving, and that's the great thing. I mean, that's because one of our other themes this evening is clarity about the problem that you're solving. The fact you, you've identified that as a problem and you're solving it is fantastic. Waste is a massive problem, uh, in, in food waste in particular, in Australia, and we've really got to get a handle on that. And, and part of that problem is people are forced to buy in lots or quantities that they don't need. That's true. Hmm. So, Jeff, given, given this experience that you've had, where for you, I mean, you know, we're starting to think about maybe a post-COVID-19 world in whatever shape or form that might be. But for you, what do you see as the future for Salads Made Fresh? Well, we went through, um, we went through the same grieving process that everybody else did when you lose 20% of your customers overnight. Um, but then you've got to remember that worrying is not thinking. So um, a personal favourite of mine is the Apollo 13 approach. You look around and say, well, what on the spaceship's still good? And we knew we had some good processes and some good people. And um, I've got to give a shout-out to the government. It doesn't matter which breed, political breed you are. I think uh, as a small business person, in my particular case, I've done a great job of supporting us. Um, and that's given us an opportunity to do some things that, that we couldn't do before. So we've had some time now to identify the opportunities, look for the positives. We've identified a couple of markets that we we hadn't uh, fully explored before and we're pushing into those. And we're taking the time now to train our people, to get them involved in process improvement in the factory, to do some extra maintenance in the factory, and when uh, the dust settles and whatever the new world looks like, uh, we'll be in the best shape we can possibly be to uh, hop in and service the market as it stands. That's, that sounds great. I'm, I'm, I'm going to steal your line, worrying is not thinking. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Thanks for that one. <laughs> that's really, it's really, it's really You're good. Welcome. Jeff, welcome <laughs> Jeff, tell me, I mean, so you've, you've had a really unusual experience in terms of, of acquiring this business, sorting it out, and then being cast into the, into the depths of the whole COVID-19 thing. From that experience and your previous experience, if you would, if you had a couple of little bits of advice you would be giving to, anybody in business at the moment or maybe even somebody thinking of starting out what would that be well if you're thinking of starting out uh and you're semi-retired and you own a boat don't do it don't <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm out of, i'm out of here i'm out of here <laughs> i i think that that was a bit of a self-portrait was it jeff yes it, 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 there was it was so uh, yes, that was one reflection from the deck of my my boat the other day. <laughs> I was looking around. Gives but, you a uh, gives you a different perspective on the world, I believe. <laughs> it, it does. Yeah. But look, at, at the end of the day, 
um, I don't need an alarm clock to get out of bed at three o'clock in the morning because I, I've got a vision for that business and I've got some goals that I've set for myself, and that's what drives me. And you've got to have you've got to have a vision of, of, of the why. Why mm-hmm. are you doing it? Mm-hmm. You got to understand what it is that you're trying to do, and what's going, what success looks like. And when you get into amongst it all, it's very easy to get emotionally overwhelmed and all the rest. But you've got to remember a couple of things. One of which uh, I try and remember is that the pain is temporary. It might last for a day, it might last for a minute, it could last for a week or a year. But at the end of pain, there's success. You don't want to forget all that pain that you've put in to earn that success. And that's why you can't give up. Amen. Yeah, yeah, well done. Excellent. Superb. That's wonderful. Now, before we, um, before we uh, move on, Jeff, I, I, you've touched on some of the products that you have moved into and some of the markets that you're helping, i.e. your mum chopping up pumpkin or having one stick of a spring onion. Give us a quick rundown of your menu now. Because there's going to be people who are listening who are going, oh, really? That's kind of cool. Do we still have... Yeah, well, yep. The name of the business is Salads Made Fresh, but, boy, it's not not quite accurate. I'm going to have to rethink the branding on that one. We've got uh, a whole new home-style meal section that my partner's put together, and it's all the, the good home-style stuff, the old-fashioned stuff you used to have at home. Your uh, like. sausage and mm-hmm. your sausage and four veg, you know your your meat and four veg, you know good old rissoles. Um, and Reggie's rissoles. Yes, there's Reggie's rissoles in amongst it all. Good, of course. <laughs> and we've even got plug your ears, Daryl, if you're listening. We've even got a vegetarian version, <laughs> and it's gluten free. <laughs> That's it. Um, <laughs> Daryl's just gone. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's reached for another drink. I think, but yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah, we've got uh, small meals down to the, the one thing about my my mum's taught me is that the older generation don't eat as much as I do. Well, not many people eat as much as I do, but at the end of the day, they like smaller servings. Mm. And so we're we've come down to that custom size at three hundred and fifty, three hundred grand. We've got uh, curried sausages and rice, curried prawns. Uh, all the seafood bites, lasagna, cottage pie, the good old hearty favourites that mum used to make. Um, potato bake, and we get them right down to the small version so that people can, can have them themselves. And we've got a so there's of- different sized meals. So for yeah. your mum, a, a small meal, for me, a medium, for for you, a larger? Yeah, you can have, it's pretty much bespoke because it's fresh. It's made to you, for you. So it's not like uh, some of the others where you order yourself a, a recipe box and you get the box comes to and you've got to do all the work and you're told exactly what you can have and how you put it together. You actually tell us what you want in your meal and we just put it together for you. So it's fresh food for you. Precisely right and delivered to your door. There could be a branding in there somewhere, but That's some, exactly some of them, some of them, thinking. some of them may have been taken. Though we need to, we need to check those. We need to check those out. <laughs> I've just, I've just dropped the first four things I thought of. Fresh <laughs> foods. 
Yeah, well, that's both. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. That's great. Jeff, that's, that's been really interesting. Thank you very much. I do want to ask you one last question, though, which is, and this is a question I'm going to ask all of our guests this evening, given where we're at with COVID-19 and all this kind of thing. Um, from a more general view about business as a whole, what's, what's your view of how you see the business world post-COVID-19? I honestly believe it's going to be a better place. I think it's going to be a place of opportunity because um, there's going to be a section of the businesses that uh, are out there right now, business owners, who are looking around thinking, well, is it all really worth all the hard work for the little money I was making? So there might be a few less competitors around. Um, I think people are pivoting back towards simplicity so I think if you don't let your head get stuck in the sand of JobKeeper if you like um, taking the money use the opportunity to, to assess what the opportunities are post-COVID are you taking your business to a place that's still going to be there after COVID so we'd like to think right now for example these markets that we're servicing are going to be a, another arm of the business when our pubs and clubs and everybody else comes back online. That's great. So you're you're seeing you're seeing future potential opportunities emerging I from all of this. So. That's fantastic. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's great. And I'd agree with that. Hmm. I think um, this has made all of us take stock and take a look at where the opportunities are. Instead of looking at, you know, the belly button fluff and saying, poor, poor, pitiful me, uh, it's like, okay, here's an opportunity. But I think the world's values have been realigned um, towards family, probably a bit more in the work-life balance side of things. And for those of us who, who facilitate those sorts of gatherings, like we do a lot of catering for parties and, and everyone's weekly shops sort of thing, um, there's, there's opportunities there for us. People who have clubs and uh, and venues, I think they should stay, take stock of what they've got, improve what they've got, and wait, because I believe the people will return. I agree. Mm. Sharon and I were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago where I was hoping, without wanting to get too philosophical about it, that we might be looking at the emergence of a more caring, sharing form of capitalism out of this, but let's not get too deep on that, maybe. <laughs> caring, sharing capitalism, that no, is a turn of phrase you don't hear too often. Absolutely, yeah, that's, that's why I won't go into it too deeply, it would just take too long to explain it to understand it, but you know what I mean, that's it. Jeff, thank you very much indeed, that's been absolutely fascinating, uh, really enjoyed that, that's been a really, some really good insights there, and I, I love worrying is not thinking, thank you very much. Mm. Now, you can have that one, John. <laughs> <laughs> You're too kind. I think he's it. <laughs> Your webpage, Jeff. Yes, yes. www.saladsmadefresh.com.au, of course. Uh, and uh, the email address is similarly complicated, saladsmadefresh at gmail.com. <laughs> so if you want to go and check out the menu, saladsmadefresh.com.au and have Salads Made Fresh delivered to your door. Jeff, thank you so much. Thanks, Sharon. You appreciate it. John, thank you. Cheers, Jeff. Our pleasure. Our first guest on Searchlight 
the entrepreneur's journey and that's jeff mcavoy from salads made fresh and what a fascinating story he has and oh my goodness to literally have 18 months in business be forging through strongly into the community and then literally have the carpet ripped out from underneath your feet that's one heck of a pivot isn't it john that's 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 a really what's really amazing about that pivot is in a way jeff had laid the groundwork for it he you know he'd done the firing the unprofitable customer which mm. is a really hard thing to do especially if they're a big customer as they yeah. often are uh, and then they'd realigned to embed themselves in the local community but the pivot has emerged out of the local community so that's whether that was foresight or luck or judgment who knows but it's it's worked for jeff in that particular circumstance there's a business where it's worked for and teaming up with Padamore's Meats from Alexandra Hill Shopping Centre, absolutely wonderful. Banjo's, uh, the the bakery. So you've you've literally got, if you want to stay at home, like his mum, his eighty year old mum. If you want to stay at home, you can have all of this wonderful fresh food delivered to your door. But it, there's also clarity in that problem solving as well. Isn't right? it? So it's it's like okay, we'll deliver it whatever portion size you like. No, I like the fact yeah. that I can get one spring onion. Hello, <laughs> that is so true. It's it that's that I think is is clever because not only have you got combining the resources of different businesses, but you've also got clarity about the value proposition and what it is you're actually you know, again clarity of what is the problem you're solving. And what are you fixing for your customers? Stopping the waste. All those other spin off add add on benefits as well that come out of that so um i think that's a great story i think that's a, that is a great local story and that's what we want to hear and we appreciate jeff so go and check out the webpage saladsmadefresh.com.au an important community announcement on bay fm proudly brought to you by redland city council god enjoy Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble here at Bay FM 100.3. Yeah, Double Trouble, you've got Sharon and John. This is Searchlight, the You're entrepreneur's... Saying I'm You're saying I'm trouble. Are we not? <laughs> <laughs> Are we not? <laughs> I think we could have a whole bunch of fun. In fact, we are. For the Searchlight Entrepreneur's Journey, we've uh, spoken with Jeff McAvoy from Salads Made Fresh. On the line at the moment, this is kind of a continuation from uh, last month when we did the Entrepreneur's Journey, just as all of this COVID stuff broke, really, mm. and, and all businesses were shut down. Everyone was panicking and thinking, what do we do? How do we do it? So last month, and we're continuing this month, we had Warren Maris from the Magnus Group. Now, we're going to continue talking about what can you do, how can you do it, if you need advice, if you need an update on, on how to access the money that the, the government is helping you with. Warren is magnificent from the Magnus Group. Just do a Google Magnus Group. Actually, it's, got it's Magnus Business Advisors and Accountants. Give it its full title. <laughs> Are you going to do that in Google? <laughs> Warren's here. He's laughing. Warren, 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 Warren will tell us which we should do. I think it's the well, latter. I, I think Google Magnus business is just going to work fine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, from the horse's mouth. Hey, Warren, uh, welcome to the show again. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks for having me. So, what's happening tonight? 
Well, we're hoping you're going to... It's five weeks since we last spoke, um, and I'm hoping you're going to tell us what's new and what's changed. Um, firstly, I'm guessing you have probably been rushed off your feet for the last five weeks. Would that be correct? That would be a fair comment, actually. Yeah, thanks, John. The, um, uh, I hadn't anticipated working 80-hour weeks at, the, at this stage. I was kind of hoping to slow down a little bit. But... Um, <laughs> As you said, it's been pretty busy. So what's, what's, what has changed really in the last five weeks? since we, we spoke, When we spoke last time, we spoke a lot about JobKeeper and these new programs coming out. They've now started to roll out. I'm guessing yeah, it's well, been a lot about, there's been a lot of lack of clarity and hopefully some more clarity emerging around some of these things. Is that correct? Yeah, I think clarity and certainty. Um, we, we need to remember that our, you know, our beloved uh, friends in Canberra aren't geared to provide you know, um, 48-hour solutions. And that's what they had to do. They had to put out uh, legislation in 48 hours. And, you know, predictably, that led to a fair degree of uncertainty. And little by little over the last five weeks since we last spoke, um, that uncertainty has started to clarify and probably got into the... Uh, usual level of detail we can expect from Canberra. Which would be? Look, it, it varies so much. Um, the um, Probably JobKeeper is, is, is a great example. We had a situation where a couple of weeks ago the JobKeeper registrations became available. Um, we identified two fatal flaws in the, uh, in the software on the first day, which mm. I might add, the ATO fixed very quickly. But it was just a case of what happens here, what happens there. And um, it's been hard work for the guys in Canberra to catch up and, and give us clarity around that. But in, in fairness to them, they, they've done that. I mean, the, the money is rolling out and landing in businesses' bank accounts now, as I understand and, it. Well, to, the, to the credit of the, mm. uh, the ATO, John, um, we, we were originally told that no money would flow before the 1st of May. I was hearing two or three days before that that people were receiving funding. So you know, they've really busted the boiler to get, get the funds out there. And it's already starting to flow for the JobKeeper arrangement, but it hasn't completely flowed out? Do you, do you know, um, Look, is it staggered? It's been, it, it's, it, it's been difficult, Sharon, because in a lot of cases, businesses have not had all their documentation in place um, and, and there are eligibilities that have to be, uh, have to be met and they've been refining themselves week after week and we've been giving advice to people and then having to go back a few days later and go, well, look, sorry, that's changed. And that is just the nature of the beast. So for the people that uh, haven't received it so far, and I do know some. Like for me, I've I've just basically said to anyone who who's asked me about it, just go and talk to your accountant. <laughs> like, don't even try and navigate this by yourself. Just go and talk to your accountant because they're the ones that are all, uh, across everything that's going on. Because it does, it almost changes on a daily basis. But if if um, if you could give advice to someone who has applied and hasn't received it yet, what would you think would be a, you know, a step that they maybe have missed or something that they need to do? 
Well, look, a lot of people think that because the original registration that was required, which was nothing more than on here, um, don't, don't forget me, that that was actually meaningful. As, as it turned out, it wasn't. And then there was a case of, well... Go Hello? Oops. Oops. That sounded like a phone dropout type. Certainly did. Gotta love technology. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in just a moment and we'll have Warren back with us. This is Bay FM 100.3 and The Entrepreneur's Journey. In excess at Bay FM 100.3. Searchlight program tonight, Monday night, and it's the entrepreneur's journey. And so far we've had uh, very interesting conversations with Jeff McAvoy from Salads Made Fresh, and we got rudely cut off by technology. Warren Maris of the Magnus Business Group. Which one did we decide would just Magnus Business would be just, the Google just search? Google Mag Magnus Business and you'll be fine. I yes. Suspect. Yes. yes. So we've got Warren back on the line at the moment. We had a little musical interlude in excess and uh, just a very short one from Led Zeppelin. So, so Warren, before we were cut off by the technology, you were talking about the JobKeeper program and the fact that I think a lot of people didn't quite realise that there were two stages to the online registration process. Yes, that's, that's right, John. There was, yeah. uh, there was a registration process and then uh, you need to go and, and identify uh, particular employees and that's you know, tax file numbers, date of birth, etc., etc. And a lot of people have stopped at stage one thought they were finished and unfortunately because you know, the systems are new and fairly unsophisticated mm. there's no warning and there's no contact to say hey guys you haven't finished there have been email blasts out from no, it's done it again. That's just not fair. This is just we're just it only does this to prove it's live radio, really. And we're yes, yeah, yes, yeah. you can't that's, get that's, any that's, more live than this, that's, can you? That's all it does. I'll, I'll just fill in for a minute because I think I know what what Warren was was coming to, which is there were two stages of that process, and the, the first stage was just the initial registration of your business, saying, "Hey, I'm here, and I believe I'm eligible." And then the second stage was the registering the, um, I think it was the tax file numbers you had to register or the, the employee IDs. And that, and you did that for the first two weeks, I believe, of the program. So it's fortnight one and fortnight two. And if I've understood it correctly, and when we get Warren back on the line, we'll get him to clarify this, which is that you then have to repeat that process for future fortnight periods as i understand it um, but we'll get warren back and we'll ask him that question but it's not just as simple as just going on once and then the money magically arrives you do have to go in and apparently it's not a revalidation or a reapplication it's just keeping them informed and reconfirming that you have those eligible employees for those periods so um i think that's probably tripped a few people up because the ato did have very new systems going in yes. there and it was oh he's back there we go yes there we go i mean, so warren probably didn't quite hear what i was saying i was talking about the um the fact that you had to register for fortnight one and fortnight two and then you've got to do that process again every for each fortnight period i believe is that correct? that's correct and, and yeah. in 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 between that there was a uh, an identification of particular employees yes so you had to nominate which employees and uh that wasn't 
terribly clear from the process as presented. Yeah, so you do have to do that. So if you've done just the first stage, you really need to get back in and do the second stage. Um, as, as step two, as, the, uh, as our friends at the ITA refer to it. Uh, and and then more importantly, you've got to repeat that process. Is it fortnightly or for every? No, it's monthly. It's uh, monthly. It's monthly yeah. So you do yeah. it for every two four. So the ones the pro the ones just gone through were for fortnights one and two. Yep. And, and fortnights one and two that that was March, wasn't it? Going back to the end of March. That's yep. correct. Thirtieth of March to the twelfth of April. 13th of April to, I'm sorry, I haven't got a calendar in front of me, but you can probably figure it out. Yeah, and then so you, if you're already on it, you're going to have to go back in after a certain date, not sure when that is, and then do the same process for fortnights three and four, yeah? That's correct, and that, that is now available via the ATO website or, of course, through your accountant. Right, okay. So, And I think it's easier yeah. through your accountant. Well, look, I've actually had one client who's managed to see the process all the way through, but he did say it took him about six hours to do it. So, Ooh, yeah. Um, it's unfortunately, you know, it's one of those things that where it's a very complex system and there is an expectation of a certain amount of background knowledge. Mm. And of course, most people don't have that. We're lucky enough to have it. We deal with it, uh, every day. So it is difficult. And if you're getting frustrated, um, my advice is go and talk to your accountant. He can do certainly the latter bits, the the, uh, uh, the requalification every month, with a fair bit of ease. Okay. So uh, aside from JobKeeper, which is going to be very handy for for businesses and for certainly for the recipients, uh, what are the other questions that you mainly get asked? Um, look, it, it, it's mostly around JobKeeper. JobKeeper is the one ongoing um, program that required uh, a fair bit of input. Um, Cashflow Boost, which was the uh, the other main plank of the support programs, was fairly automatic. All you have to do is lodge your BAST, um, and there's uh, PAYG uh, withholding for employees. That's the, the tax that gets taken out of our salaries every week, month, fortnight, or whatever we're paid. Um, that, that one was pretty automatic, but uh, JobKeeper is the one that's causing a fair bit of pain. My advice is confirm that you have completed because it is not obvious that there is more of it. So if anyone's got any more questions and, and maybe they've been uh, looking after their, their taxes, by themselves or just with a bookkeeper, um, do you have room to take any more customers? Um, yeah, we can. We will certainly try to you know, accommodate anybody who calls us. And I mean, you'll you'll know that from giving us a ring at any stage. We always try to help out everybody who rings us. Um, I still think your first port of call is your existing accountant. He's the guy that knows you, knows your business. But if that's not working for you for whatever reason, give us a call. We'd love to try and help. And you also have um, some free documentation that people can download, haven't you? Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Um, if you go to uh, to our website and again just search 
Magnus Business. Um, that'll take you to the website. There's a uh, a nice big banner there on the uh, on the homepage that says there's a free report. Quick click on the button, follow the bouncing ball, and it will give you a fairly comprehensive report. I, I should point out that that report is now probably a couple of weeks old, um, which normally wouldn't mean a great deal, but in this um, business stimulus environment, a couple of weeks is a long time. There are certain things like the, uh, the Queensland, uh, loan, Queensland Rural Industry Development Authority loans They've now been oversubscribed, so they're not available anymore. But most of it is still current and valid. Okay. And people can download that for free and they can still come back and ask you any questions? Sure. Happy to help. So uh, (laughs) do you have any hair left? Um, That which is there is greying at a rate of knots. (laughs) But, uh, yes, so far so good. I can imagine, because it's been changing on a daily basis. Yeah, in, in, in many occasions, um, we're getting advice where, you know, things are being refined and, uh, and, and determined, et cetera, et cetera, by the authorities. And as I said earlier on, Canberra is not geared to getting out legislation in 48 hours. By definition, there was going to be uncertainty and that uncertainty, little by little, is being unravelled. They're also not geared to giving out money, <laughs> particularly not the well, ATO. <laughs> well, no, that's a, a, a that's an interesting observation, Sarah, <laughs> because uh, you know, the ATO's job, as any revenue office or in, in any country in the world, they are geared to collecting money. This notion of sending it out is um, anathema. <laughs> Well, that might be a little strong, but let's just say unusual. Well, they've 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 done their own pivot, shall we say? Uh, it's, True. <laughs> Change their their thinking and their business model. And and in fairness to them, that's a, a for a big government department. That's a big change to make in a short space of time. So it, it is. And I, look, I, I'm a great critic of the ATO at times, but I've got to say, by and large, they have coped with this situation. Reasonably well. We'll take that as a huge tick. We'll take that as uh, out of ten. (laughs) What uh, seven and a half? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, I'll give I'll give them seven and a half. (laughs) There's an account that has to give it a number. That's that's fair enough. (laughs) Warren, Warren, uh, just just before we move on, um, one question I'm going to ask all of our guests this evening because I think it's an, an issue that's becoming particularly interesting is. And you will you will be in a unique position, I think, to look at this because you deal with a range of businesses and you see a lot of what's thinking, a lot of what business owners are thinking about and concerned about at the moment. What's your view on what the, how the business world is going to look post COVID nineteen? Gee, Rich, that's 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 a great question, John. Um, so I'm asking. Look, you. I, mm, um, look, I think. What we're going to see is a multitude of small changes. I don't think you're going to see this vastly different world, but in many ways we will face a new normal. I think, uh, you know, prior to this, the notion of doing uh, a, a Zoom video conference session was probably alien to many people. But in the last two months, that's kind of become second nature. 
people on Microsoft Teams, on Zoom, on Skype. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot more of that. Mm. Got, uh, we had a board meeting the other day on, on Zoom. Mm. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. People yeah. were changing their backgrounds. <laughs> it's like, oh, how did you do that? Yeah. It was, it was interesting. We had a good time. Yeah, well, I think we'll see uh, yeah, more um, uh, customizable backgrounds from uh, Zoom and Microsoft Teams and the like. But uh, yes, I'm hearing it. It was almost unheard of, not almost unheard of, probably not fair, but it was unusual three months ago. Coming out of this, I think it'll be the norm. And I think we'll see a lot of little changes like that telehealth uh, conferences with uh, with your doctor instead of going to the, uh, to the surgery. Little things like that. People will now uh, internet shop a lot more than they used to. Subtle changes that, um, that we thought were unlikely only three months ago. I'm, I'm actually wondering how many businesses are going to realise they might not need offices and premises. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, we're, we're hearing that already. Um, mm -hmm. Although, you know, we're a relatively small firm, we're getting, um, we're getting notions of that from the larger firms. Yeah. Uh, housing employees, you know, particularly if you see these days, is very, very expensive. Yeah. And... Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, people are willing to work from home. They get a tax break for it. Mm. They don't have to spend, you know, an hour, two hours in the traffic every day. Mm. Um, in fact, my, uh, my my senior guy at work said, this is fabulous. I spent an hour and a half every day working instead of driving. Um, he's become an awful lot more productive and, and, uh, and a lot more comfortable in his role as a result of it. So, yep, we're going to see changes. Mm, yeah, and I think uh, one of the interesting things about that, that I think, and some people may have found this if they've gone into this, is is that work has an interesting social dimension that you actually have to work on if you don't have it there. And maybe, you know, the modern technology can do a lot of this stuff. I was mentioning to Sharon earlier that years ago I did a course on the on the um, business and uh, social impact of information technology, and we were predicting that we'd all have lots of leisure time and uh, be spending loads of, you know, wondering to know what to do, and we'd all be commuting from home, and that kind of never happened. Um, but interestingly, co this event has caused that more than anything else. Mm. So that's really interesting. Yeah, that's it. yeah look, and, and there is another aspect to this. We, um, uh, we dispersed over eight weeks ago, went back to work last week, and um, one of the things that everybody said they missed was the office chatter. I mm. play an office, hearing people talk, picking up on little snippets about what's happening with this client or that client or so-and-so was a new client, etc., etc. And that was one thing you don't get when you work from home. No. Yeah, and that's 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 a key element that I think it's easily overlooked. So, again, it's it's very interesting when when you look at the lots of predictions about what happens moving forward. They're always based in the current technology and what we're currently doing now, and there's always something that gets overlooked, <laughs> almost invariably. And I think in this case it could be the social dimension, but who knows? Yeah, look, you're absolutely right. And for anybody who doesn't think that's the case, I suggest they go and read Elvin Toffler's future shock which i think was 
released about 35, 40 years ago. Mm. Have a read mm. of it. It's, it's absolutely humorous. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Okay, well, that's, that, Warren, thank you for that. That's, that's really interesting. I, I, would, I would generally agree with a lot of those things that you said there. I think we get, we're looking at a lot of small changes um, that, will, that will work in ways that we maybe even can't fully predict at the moment. But and if anyone yeah. is thinking about uh, making some of these changes more permanent and want advice, they can come to you, Warren? Yeah, look, we'd be happy to help out. And uh, as I often say to people who come and see us, Sharon, if we can't give you the answers, there's a pretty good chance we know someone who can. That's good. So if you are thinking about making any changes to your business, you need some advice on your existing business or even for JobKeeper or even the cash flow bonus if you haven't got that one yet and you just need to, to ask some questions, don't forget. Just do a Google for Magnus Business. I'll get that right. Magnus Business. <laughs> and you'll find uh, Warren Maris and you can go and ask him questions and when you're on the web page go and download the free report don't forget that it was written a couple of weeks ago there are going to be some things that are out of date now but if you just want to get abreast of what's going on if, if you're still pulling your hair out and you're confused just don't forget pick up pick up the phone um do a google find some answers because there's there warren thank you very much indeed for joining us most welcome, guys. Love to help you and, of course, all your listeners out there. If we can uh, be of assistance, we're only a Google search away. You have been. Thank you so much, Warren. Okay. Good night, folks. Thank you. <laughs> good night. Bye. Warren Maris from the Magnus Group, Magnus Business Group. Go and do a Google if you want some answers, you want some help moving forward with your business. Go and check them out because they're really good guys. And thank you very much for coming on air, spending like Monday night instead of sitting back and enjoying a hard-earned beer or wine. After his 80-hour weeks plus, Warren has joined us here at No Charge. And it's it's just wonderful that he's giving to, to our community, giving to AFM and our community. Thank you so much. So coming up very shortly, our uh, specialist for this evening... Yes, we'll be talking to Colin Kinner from Startup On Ramp, and we're going to be turning the turning the focus a little bit more towards the world of startups and uh, looking at this uh, this key question about and we've already alluded to it when we were talking to Jeff earlier about this clarity around what problem are you solving? Mm hmm. This is going to be fascinating because I'm actually doing his course right now. Ah. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> So I'm a student. So you should be able to answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get ace. A plus, thank you very much. <laughs> this is BFM. Back in just a moment. Skippy's Fresh Fruits at Lakeside Shopping Centre, Victoria Point. Just great music. This is BFM 100.3. Sharon and John with you tonight. It's Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey. And we've had such an interesting night so far. We've spoken with Jeff McAvoy from Salads Made Fresh. Just had a, a fascinating conversation with Warren Maris from the Magnus Business Group and talking about tax and all things related as you continue on this weird and wonderful thing that we're calling COVID-19, the whole pandemic. Nice to see that things are starting to open up a bit.
Hmm. It, it's, it's good. It's needed. Although there's always a slight caution. Is it going to go too far too quickly? Yeah. We just have well, to strike a balance, I think. Let's just yeah. keep our fingers mm. crossed that people play nicely and stay Observe away. your social distancing. Like, you're well... In, you're about three metres away we're, from we're, we're a good. We're a good three and a half metres away from each other. In fact, yeah. I can just about see you from here. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Got those binoculars. <laughs> On the line at the moment, we have uh, an amazing man whose name is Colin Kinn from Startup On Ramp. Now, I'll put my hands up and say, I'm doing Colin's course, and it is very, very, very good. But, John, would you like to do a little more of the introduction, please? I'll, 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 I'll kick off by saying, good evening, Colin. How are you? Good evening. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, thanks for inviting me along. Absolute, absolute pleasure. Now, by, by way of introduction, as I say, um, uh, Sharon's doing the course. Colin and I have known each other for a number of years around the, uh, the startup scene in, in and, uh, and around Brisbane. So I also know what startup on ramp is. Um, but Colin, maybe we could kick off if, by you just basically telling us what, what is startup on ramp? Sure. Happy to. Um, startup on ramp is a crash course on how to start a high growth startup and make it succeed. Um, I started it three and a half years ago, having worked with several hundred startups over a long period of time and seeing all the same mistakes being made again and again by first time entrepreneurs. Um, so it seemed to me that it would be really helpful if we could tell people these are all the things that you're likely to to make as a as a serious mistake that will cause your company to fail and if we show you those things you you can avoid them and and conversely if we can show you the things that lead successful companies to be successful then people are pretty smart they'll they'll replicate some of those things that are likely to be helpful and i'm pleased to say that we're actually seeing that in a lot of businesses that we've worked with that people are starting to to build seriously globally scalable businesses from lots of interesting places around Australia um, based on, on what, what I think is some good um, best practice common sense. So in, in, in a way, it's, it's a, one of my favourite sayings is I, I like to go around helping people not make all the same mistakes that I did, um, but yeah. actually you, you kind of you're doing that, uh, but, but from a wider range of, of possible sources of information by the sound of it, yeah? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I like to say to people that I don't mind if you fail in your company by making a new and innovative mistake. Um, <laughs> yeah, please just don't do it in a boring and predictable way. That's, that's, Obviously, I'd rather I, people were successful. Um, but it is funny. There's, there's, there's so many things that people get wrong um, that unwittingly they, they walk straight into the same trap that, that lots of other people have walked into. So we're, we're really trying to help them to not do that. And just briefly, what, some, what would some of those things be? Oh, look, the number one, Sharon, is, is building a product that nobody cares about. And it doesn't matter whether you're building a physical product or, or a service business or some kind of online offering. Uh, we see it again and again. People build products that they have a vision and they're passionate, but they don't actually take the time to figure out whether there are any customers. Uh, and and that the, the largest the largest amount of money I've seen one person throw it at building a product is um, uh, a lady I met recently who'd put a quarter of a million dollars of her own money into building a very sophisticated software product. Um, uh, and she hadn't shown it to anyone. So I don't want to show it to them in, in case it's not quite ready. But but I'm really really hopeful that that they'll use it and we'll make a lot of money. Well, unfortunately, they didn't use it and she didn't make a lot of money. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 
I, I hate to say it, but I've seen bigger numbers than that. Spent in much the same way. <laughs> it's it's, it's not funny, but it's... Uh, and what's interesting, I think, and Colin alluded to it already, is is that you do actually see these, these mistakes being made again and again and again um mm. and it's it's quite sad in some ways uh that you mm. can that, that can which is why startup on ramp is so important and such a great program because, well i'm doing yeah. uh, i'm doing the online uh version because you just recently opened up the the gate for for people to be able to register yeah yeah we did Sharon. there's something that we started um working on about uh, nine months ago and we've delivered lots of in-person programs and workshops and 12-week uh, courses and the like. And it seemed to me that it would be helpful to have something online that people could do in their own time and you know, fit it around their busy schedules. And now with COVID, obviously, it's become really important to have something like this online. So we've we've pulled together what I think is a pretty interesting mix of, of entrepreneurs, investors, um, subject matter experts. Um, so we have 20 different... Um, experienced people as part of the course and and they're all talking about different topics um, uh, from their own perspective so um, it's it's actually interesting to see some of the learnings that have come out that that perhaps um, first-time entrepreneurs might might find a little surprising well I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it I'm only up to um, to number three but I am thoroughly enjoying it so far and yes I've I've learned a lot and I'm making copious notes as I'm going along. <laughs> if if someone listening right now uh, and they're on the entrepreneurial journey, they've got an idea, they want to know what to do next, they want to know how to test it and what do they do. If if they wanted to come and join Startup On Ramp and do the course that I'm doing, how would they... It like Is it still open? It is, yeah. Um, we've deliberately said it's not a, a cohort-based program because I think at the moment, um, you know, people's schedules are all up in the air. Everyone's got, you know, limited availability. So I think it's really important to make it available when people have the time to do it. Um, so if anyone's interested in it, it's just at startuponramp.com and we're taking sign-ups um, anytime. Oh, good, because I had to wait. Point, so. <laughs> <laughs> you had to wait, that's right. I did. We, yeah. Not terribly patiently, I can tell you, but I had to wait. <laughs> she, she doesn't yeah. do patient very well, no. trust me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I think it's much needed. And, you know, back to the, the earlier discussion about, you know, what kind of businesses will arise out of this, this COVID lockdown and, and the, the economic toil that it takes. I think there's a lot of business that just won't make it through. And so I think it's really important from a, you know, from a macro level to say, well, how do we, uh, reskill the workforce and give people an opportunity to to pick up some skills that will help them to build a different kind of business that maybe you know that maybe they haven't explored previously but i think one of the key threads of that is a, a lot of people will come to their business idea believing that that's their idea and it's so completely unique nobody else can possibly offer them advice or input or understanding on it yet mm. from the flip side of that we all know that the kind of pain points that have gone through on this journey on this entrepreneur's journey this process that they go through are surprisingly similar and the trip up points the points of pain the points of failure dare we say it are, are often startlingly similar throughout the whole pattern of things yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. So and, you know, it pains me greatly because I think, you know, we're talking about people's livelihoods. Mm. And so, you yeah. know, it really concerns me to see people that, um, you know, if, if you've got a million dollars in your back pocket and you can throw a hundred grand at ten different ideas, that, that's great. You know, you can try a bunch of things, but not everyone's got a million dollars in their back pocket. No. Um, so I think for most people, they really have one shot at it. And so, you know, I'm really keen that, that people have one shot at it and, and maximise the chances of success because, you know, we, as I say, we are talking about people's livelihoods. Okay, so without going into too much depth to the level that you would probably cover in the programme, but just to drill into it a little bit more, I mean, I've chosen the, the term, you know, define what problem you're solving, but that can, that can manifest itself in a wide range of ways, clearly. Hmm. What do you think are the key steps that anybody who's thinking of starting a business or even in a current business and they're looking at having to pivot that into something else, given the current environment, hmm. what are the key things they should really be looking at doing to make sure they've dealt with that that question and its other corollaries, you know, is there a market, is, is it viable, all that yeah. sort of thing. What should they be really doing? Look, for me, the first question is to ask yourself, what, what areas do you have deep insights on? And so I generally find that people who have spent a long time in a particular industry or who have, um, they use this term, marinated in the problem. So they've, they've marinated in it for long enough that they have a really deep understanding of, of the sort of problems that they might go and try and tackle. So let's say if someone comes from a, you know, a, a contract management background, then the insights they're going to have into what, what is uh, problematic in managing large contracts are going to be so much more useful than somebody who says, well, I'm coming at this from a, you know, I'm, I'm a um, primary school teacher or, or I'm a accountant or something. So, so I always try to get people to, to reflect on what are the areas in which they really have some deep insights and then to go from there to say, well, okay, what, what are things that really bug you in, in within that problem space? What are things that you've encountered yourself that you can say, look, that's really frustrating or it's done very inefficiently, that, then surely there must be a better way. And then to say, right, so, and, and this is a, you know, a green hat thinking exercise, so it's just getting a whole bunch of thoughts done and then it's to say, well, which of those problems do I think other people experience? And are there some that maybe a large number of other people experience? Because if, if there are, that, that gives you a little bit of a hint that there's a market, maybe a big enough market to make it worthwhile going after. And if you have a really deep insight into that problem space, then there's a much higher likelihood that you'll be able to come up with a product or a service or some kind of solution that really addresses the problem. But I mean, that's a really a really simple kind of first step. That's true, but I think the next step then probably is to then test that whilst you can identify a problem, there's then also going to be, are there going to be sufficient people out there with a willingness to pay for a solution to that problem? So... Well, there's this, there's a thing called Google, which I, I always encourage <laughs> to, to use. Um, it's kind of funny, you, you know, everyone everyone says, oh, yeah, I've, I've had this idea for a new business and I've, I've Googled it and there's nothing else that looks like it. Um, but of course, you know, as, as you know, John, that there always are things that, that are a little bit similar. Mm -hmm. um, and often you're competing with free. So, you know, I see a lot of businesses where, you know, they might say, well, I'm creating a, some kind of online dashboard that allows you to do, you know, these various things online in an efficient way. Um, but if you're competing with a whiteboard and some post-it notes that someone's using currently, you know, so to manage that, that process where well, you're competing with free, so whatever you create, <laughs> 
that's online and more efficient has to be really a lot better. You know, this, is, this is what I call the 10x rule. It's got to be 10 times better if you're competing with free because you know ultimately you've got to create something that people will pay money for. And so if, if you're taking them away from something that's free and simple, it's, it's really got to be a lot better. And, and that alludes to things like clarity of the value proposition. I mean, yeah, I'm offering you this, so you're going to be happy to give me money in return. Uh, yeah, 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 that's right. It's, sort of, it's that sort of thing. They so have to see value. There has to be value. And again, I think Colin's original point was a lot of people go, oh, wow, I've had a great idea because I think I can fix that. And I love, I love the, I love the idea of something marinated in the marinated in the problem. I think that's fantastic. Mm. Um, I, it, but I think the catch twenty two with that is you can be completely marinated in the problem, and be a complete expert in your particular field or or the area that you have that expertise in, but you still then have to build a viable business model around that knowledge to turn it mm. into a business. And I think that's the area where I see so many people kind of tripping up a little bit, which is, yeah, I, I have all this knowledge. I, you just have to turn that into a business model. And I guess that's yeah. what Startup Run on Ramp is really teaching people to do to a great extent. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. And we still see people, um, fortunately, a lot fewer these days, but we still see people who show up and say, oh, I've written a 100-page business plan, and so I'm ready to go. And and I always worry about that because, you know, if, if you're starting a an accounting firm or something where the business model is fairly standard and predictable, then it's probably not a bad idea to write a hundred or maybe a fifty page business plan. But if you're starting a new innovative business which hasn't been done before, you know, by definition you're engaging in business model innovation. And so the idea of writing a business plan when it's something that hasn't been tried before just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, it's it's really it's crystal ball gazing um at, at best. So uh, there are some really simple tools that people can use to help them think through business models and to to hypothesize about you know what customer they might go after and what product they should build um, and then test them really cheaply and quickly so that's that's really a, a core of of where we work with entrepreneurs is to say look let's help you to quickly test your ideas so that you can figure out whether it's likely to work or not before you've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of your life working on it Mm, and that that I think that testing is is absolutely fundamental. I mean, again, you've you've seen this before. And certainly, I've had conversations with people where you go, "Well, what have you done to test it?" And it's really when you drill into it is, "Well, I asked my mates down the pub, and they thought it was a good idea," um, which is yeah. there's no harm in doing that. That's a good, that's a reasonable starting point. But it's it's not often the be all and end all. You know, there has to be more to it than that. I think. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's the yeah, customer interview thing that the people actually um, find most difficult. I find. Um, you know, they will. They'll ask their friends down the pub or, or these days on a Zoom call um, or they'll ask the, you know, the people that they live with. And there's this concept I like called an ice cream question. So for anyone who's got young kids, they'll know that, you know, if you, if you ever say to, to a kid, hey, do you want an ice cream? The answer is 100% of the time, yes, I'd love an ice cream. That's fantastic. Thanks. How soon can we get an ice cream? And it's the same if you talk to someone and say, hey, I've got this idea for a business. It's going to be really amazing. It's going to save you money. It's going to save you time. It's going to be a really great product. We're going to have it available really soon. Would you be interested in buying it? People will say, yeah, John, that's great. I, I love it. Great. But you haven't learned anything. Mm. Right? So yeah. the thing that, the thing that, that people really um, find is much more useful is to say, well, I'm not going to try and sell my idea. I'm going to ask this person to really spell out the, the problem that they encounter and see if I can really get a good understanding of what the solution should look like. 
Absolutely. Well, that's why I, I would often say you've actually got to almost think more like a scientist. You're actually testing the hypothesis of do I have a yeah. viable product? And, yeah. But like a scientist, you should be able to accept that the answer may be no. Yeah, and you have to be open to that. Or it's not, you, you need it not shaped like that. It needs to be shaped like this. It's, yeah. all, you know, it's all those sorts of things. So you're actually testing a hypothesis up to the point you have to make that entrepreneurial leap of faith, maybe. But, uh, but yeah. that's, that's, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. So, Sharon, you're, you're currently doing the program. I am. And uh, how much does this echo with, with what you've got on board so far? No, it's good. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. As I said, I'm only up to about um, module three at the moment. But taking copious notes, and you you were talking with a, a gentleman down in Sydney, young guy, which just blew my mind, really young guy, and he'd been working with over a hundred startups with the university, and it was just a fascinating conversation with him about literally what you were talking about then is just going out mm. and uh, and talking to fifty people, and mm. and asking just a series of ten questions that really start to delve into what is the problem is it is it a burning problem is it a real is it just sort of like oh yeah that'd be kind of nice or is it something that wow yeah i'd like to have that that solved but talking to more than literally your mates down the pub uh talking to the people who are your potential customers and and asking what what is the real problem from their end Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about this, this term of, of finding a hair on fire problem. Um, you know, the idea that if you think of the problem as, you know, your customer's hair figuratively is on fire and your product or your service is, is the bucket of water, then you need to be really confident that, that you've got something that's so compelling that your customer will run towards you to get it. You know, you want to get that feeling when you talk to customers that says, the problem that this solves is really important and, and it's a really good solution and they're going to run to get it. You know, if they kind of go, oh, yeah, that's maybe interesting, I'll, you know, I'll think about it, that's a really big signal that, that maybe you're not addressing a hair on fire problem. And you can always check that. You can always test that by yeah, asking you, those questions. Yeah, and ask them to give you some money. You know, <laughs> if, if, you're, uh, <laughs> if you're like a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, you're, you're not scared of asking for money. And so it's not a bad idea to actually say, well, we're working on that, and would you like to, you know, pre, um, prepay something towards the the cost of this product when it launches? I mean, obviously you've got to do it with integrity and and make sure you're not taking people's money when you've got nothing to deliver. But when you're getting close to the point of having a product ready to launch, it's actually not a bad idea to say, well, all right, how much would you pay, and can I send you an invoice? <laughs> or do you want to sign up here? I li- I sign like, on the yeah, dotted I line. I like the send an invoice bit. I always, I always like that bit. But there we go. Colin, that's, that's been a really interesting conversation. I'd like to move the conversation on to look at it a little bit more through the lens of the COVID-19 thing. But I think we might take a little brief musical interlude. We'll we do, do a that. quick gimmage yes. break and then we shall do music. <laughs> How's that? Okay. Back after this. <laughs> Back after this. is AFM 100.3. An important community announcement from Bay FM. Bay FM 100.3, just great music and hunters and collectors. This is Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey, and uh, you're with Sharon and John, John from Startup Redlands and Advice Point Business Consulting in the Redlands. So if you've got any questions that you want to ask about business, you want to ask about startups, you want to ask about what you should do and how you should do it, 
please have a chat with John Burkett from Advice Point Business Consulting here in the Redlands. And then when uh, Startup Redlands recommences when, when we can legally reconvene yes down, we, down at the bench we'll we, be we'll be there and having our little our little pitching competitions we can get a little like closer that. than one and a half meters <laughs> and, and in the bench we need to yes absolutely yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, just a tad it's a, it's a wee bit small <laughs> but it's, it's it's good fun but uh, but for the time being we're on the radio um and uh, we've been talking to colin kinner from from startup on ramp and having a fascinating discussion about the various uh, elements that go towards uh, a successful startup and in particular dealing with this question of what problem you're solving and making sure you've got you've got clarity around that so colin we've talked a lot about this in very much in the context of startups which is which is obvious given that it, that your startup on ramp um mm. but we're casting the net a little wider in view of what's going on in the general business community with the whole covid19 thing and all that sort of stuff be interesting to get your opinion on this. I, I personally think there's a lot of echoes in what we talk about with startups in terms of understanding these things about clarity of the problem being solved, clarity of the business model, clarity of target markets, all that sort of thing. I think that's a highly these are highly relevant concepts for businesses, particularly those that are currently having to undergo change and are having to do their own pivots in terms of looking at and addressing new markets. To what extent do you think that business in general can learn from these exact same concepts and deploy them, particularly at a time like this? Yeah, look, I totally agree with what you're saying about businesses having a lot in common with startups. I think, you know, particularly in the last five to ten years, um, every business is to some extent an internet business. You know, even if you have a physical product or a face-to-face -face service, every business needs to have an online presence. And increasingly, we're seeing businesses um, augment their face-to-face -face delivery of whatever their product or their service is with some kind of online component. So I think, you know, one of the things that, that all businesses can be thinking about now is what are the things that they do that can be delivered online? Mm. And, I, you know, the great thing about online is that then, you know, you're... Um, markets not geographically limited. Mm. Um, so there's some really cool businesses popping up where, um, you know, traditional business owners are saying, well, look, I, I may or may not be able to reinvigorate mm. the business that I've been running and have now had to, you know, partially or completely stop because of COVID. But I think at the same time, it's an opportunity to say, well, all right, let's tinker on some other variants on that where we might be able to deliver something online. That's, yeah, that, I think that's that's certainly the case. And, and we were talking early this evening to Jeff McAvoy of uh, a local business, Salads Made Fresh, and he feels the same way that that we're actually moving into a realm of potential opportunity. Whilst yeah. COVID has limited a lot of people, it actually engenders a lot of creativity and will open a lot of opportunities. I think in terms of how things move forward. So I think a lot of these concepts are highly are highly relevant. So yeah, interesting for your for your comments on that. Yeah. Clearly, COVID has implemented a lot. I mean, it's, 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 it, it's impacted your business in terms of having to move to a more online model, hasn't it? It has. Um, fortunately, we, we probably got the timing right in as much as we decided midway through last year that we really needed to develop an online part to our offering. And so we were luckily to be able to, to launch that just fairly recently. Um, uh, and it was, you know, a, a good solid six-month um, development timeline to, to build an online version of our face-to-face -face program. So it's, it was good timing. Uh, but there's a lot of things that people can do really quickly. I'll give you a quick example. 
Um, I was just reading about a business in the US called You Probably Need a Haircut. Have you come across this one? <laughs> no. I love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's an online business. It was started by someone who said, you know what, lots of people all around the world are struggling with, you know, their, their hair is growing. They don't want to go to a hairdresser um, for obvious reasons. They're trying to stay out of circulation. But maybe we can do an online service where we give them access to a hairdresser via a Zoom call who can coach someone through the process oh, of cutting I did someone's say hair. something about this. Yes, yes, yes. That's really yes, clever. So yes, you, you pay on a, on a half hour, it's, I think it's 18 US dollars for a half hour appointment, and as long as you've got a pair of scissors and a comb, they will walk you through it and say, right, here's what you do first, and then here's what you do next, and then a little bit more here, a little bit less there. And it's brilliant because it's, it's helping people to solve the problem of, I need a haircut. And at the same time, it's also getting lots of hairdressers to do some part-time online work from the safety of their own homes and giving them a source of income. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a lovely two-sided model. That's, that's, that's you know, meeting a need on both sides of the equation. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. However, you yeah, do and, have you to, know, there's a fundamental need for the target market, which is to have hair, so I don't think I count. Um, but, uh, but there we go. <laughs> I'm going to let that one go keep it, John. I was lucky I got to go to my hairdresser oh, about a week and a half ago. They've got very, very limited hours. Because I was thinking, oh man, if I can't have a haircut for six months, it's just going to look, I, I colour my hair. So I had this real track down the middle of my head of darker hair and red hair, and it was not looking good. So I don't think I'd be happy with, with my partner doing my hair that way. <laughs> Mm. Sorry to say, <laughs> I don't think I trust him with scissors. Yeah, as Colin said, like, maybe, oh, yeah, let's, let's take go a there. bit more off there. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though, moving back to the topic at hand. So, um, hmm. Colin, so thanks. That's been a really interesting discussion. Um, but one key question I'm, I'm asking, making a point of asking all our guests this evening, is to get a view on, at a very general level, what you, how you see the future of business post-COVID-19. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say that I'm very optimistic that we'll rebound and the economy, economy will be in good shape. Um, I actually don't think that for a lot of businesses that's going to be the case, unfortunately. Um, I think partly there's a big shift that's going to be driven by consumer behaviour. So I think... Um, certainly in those countries that have been more affected by COVID than Australia, but it's probably true in Australia to a fair extent, um, we've really become much more proficient online shoppers. Mm. And so yeah. I think the notion of starting up a local bricks-and-mortar retail business or trying to restart one um, where, where it's possible for your target um, customer base to just buy it online, I think we're going to see a lot of businesses just evaporate because their customers will just become used to buying online. Mm. And I think that's true in business as well. I think there's a lot of business-to-business of -business, um, products and services where people have figured out that actually they can get hold of something and it doesn't really matter very much where the other person is. Mm. Um, I found myself on a Zoom call with someone answering some fairly um, technical questions um, uh, about web development and they were in Massachusetts. And apart from the fact that it was a slightly awkward um, time zone uh, matchup, it actually was the best solution. So um, I, I think that's that's one thing that the people need to be thinking about and, and you know asking themselves whether there really is a need for their business to exist in a physical face-to-face -face delivery format. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with that, and that echoes on some of the things that uh, Warren was saying earlier as well about how needs might change uh, in both a business-to-consumer and business-to-business context as well. But there's an opportunity to see in that, mm. in as much as you are not limited by locality, Yep. You literally, if you do go online, you open up the marketplace. So mm. there is an opportunity there. Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people jumping at that. Um, you know, even if you look at the, the kind of office accommodation model, I think, you know, co-working spaces like, like the global giant WeWork are, are very likely to evaporate during COVID. I really can't see that the, the large-scale co-working business model will continue. And I think even office rental for small businesses, you know, I think a lot of people are realising that um, having distributed teams and working remotely is actually pretty good. Mm. It's not perfect. Um, mm. And for those of us who, who are doing homeschooling while also running businesses, we, we know that it's not perfect. But um, I've uh, seen a number of uh, US businesses in particular that have said we've now made a decision that we're not going back to a, to a physical office environment. Yes, I think that's that's pretty inevitable. I think for a, a number of businesses. Have you that heard that in uh, in relation to Australia? I'm not seeing it yet, and I think that's probably because we haven't been as badly affected. So you know, hopefully we we continue on the pretty good trajectory that we're on uh, in terms of case numbers. Um, but I think certainly in the US and and some parts of Europe and in the UK, there's been a very strong uh, response that says you, you know what. Um, you know, given that it might be a year or more before we have a vaccine, um, the, the idea of showing up in a in a busy office environment with a whole lot of other humans doesn't have a whole, whole lot of appeal. So let's continue the the remote working. And also the the method of getting there, if particularly mm. if you catch public transport. Mm. Sure, you bet. So mm. that that would be even worse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think there are some pretty big changes coming. Um, It'll be really interesting to see how the federal government and state governments shift from the, the kind of support approach that we're seeing now with JobKeeper and, and other initiatives to then saying, well, how do we do an economic reinvigoration or, or transformation exercise? Um, so I've looked at this pretty deeply in the context of um, the startup sector and, and looking at what Australia is doing relative to other countries. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have a a strong history of, of doing economic transformation, but I think this may just be the impetus that, that gets federal and state governments to really look at this pretty hard. So if you could wave a magic wand, uh, what what kind of vision would you like the governments, plural, to, to come out with? Well, I think the at, at, a, at a high level, the biggest thing would be to get governments to support um, innovative businesses. And I don't mean just software businesses or internet-based businesses, but um, businesses that have some ability to compete globally rather than locally. Um, and we're seeing some grant programs and some funding available for those kinds of companies now, but um, on a per capita basis, we are still punching well below our weight in international terms. Um, a, a quick anecdote, if you go to Singapore, the, the Singapore government has, for the last 10 years, sent several hundred... Uh, final year uni students to Silicon Valley for a six month internship every year and they've now got thousands of alumni from that program who are entrepreneurially wired they have they have networks in, in Silicon Valley and other places and they're really getting an entrepreneurial culture going in Singapore 
So I think, you know, that, that kind of scale of activity is, is what we need. It's to say, well, look, it's a kind of a moonshot ambition that says we need to radically change the kind of economy we have from one that's largely resources and population mm. servicing businesses mm. to one that's knowledge-intensive businesses. Yep. I'd, uh, I like your that. magic wand. Agree, agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, that's been, that's been fascinating. Thank you very much indeed for sharing uh, that with us. Before you go, um, if somebody would like to get in touch with you, just can you just remind us again, what, how do we track you down? Yeah, so we're, we're startuponramp.com is the website, and there's a, a stack of information on there. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, Twitter is at Colin Kinner. Um, and yeah, really uh, enjoyed the conversation, and thanks for inviting me along. Uh, Colin's been fantastic. Thank you very much indeed, my friend, and uh, we really appreciate your guidance on that highly interesting and uh, critical and important topic. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Colin. Thanks. So let me give you those details again. Colin Kinner, let me spell this for you, K-I-N-N-E-R, start up on ramp. One word if you're going to do a, a search, startuponramp.com. And I can tell you I'm doing the course at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I gave John a little bit of a surprise when I said, ah, yeah, I'm doing the course, because I knew that, um, that it was being opened up. And I think it's great you're doing the course. First, yeah. first um, yeah. semester or first yeah. you know, quarter this year. So I was waiting for it. I yeah. was waiting for it. And when they opened up the, the gates, uh, only in the last, oh, I, I guess it's really only been just over a week, mm. um, it is a very, very, very good course. You do take it at your own pace, and it's not expensive <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, it's, it's a... It's a so I, I, I haven't done do it, but I am familiar with it. I actually so, signed so. up for the course before we organised for Colin to, to come onto the, the program. So there is no, you know, hunky... I'm okay. still on the program. It's okay. It's, okay. it's all right. You're okay. It's all arms length stuff. It's, 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 it's all good. It's all above board. It's all above board. So I can actually highly recommend it. Very good course if you are thinking along the lo the lines of your own entrepreneurial journey and you want to have some assistance that uh, that can be offered in your own time because you're busy. So uh, go and check it out. Startuponramp.com. This is Bay FM 100.3. Coldplay, yellow. All the things that you do. And the stars are out, aren't they? This is Bay FM 100.3, Coldplay, yellow at Bay FM. This is Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey, and it continues right through till 10 o'clock tonight. It's been a rollicking good night so far, hasn't it? It's so far so good. It's, 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 it's going great. We've had some fascinating topics being covered. So we've had uh, Jeff McAvoy from Salads Made Fresh talking about his journey as an entrepreneur and everything that he did with that business to get it embedded locally, and that made their pivot point on reacting to COVID-19. I think for them so much easier to do so that was that was really fascinating that that particular story warren maris has been telling us about uh some, an update on the on the government's uh, support programs that have been coming through with JobKeeper and all that sort of thing and we just had a really interesting discussion with colin kinner of startup on ramp about uh, around this issue about the clarity on the what problem you're solving and all the stuff around startups that also has a lot of relevance for those pivoting and changing their business uh, where they are at the moment. However, we are also concerned with startups and the 
each week, uh, each program, we feature a startup, and uh, our feature startup for for today's program is uh, a company called Mit, and uh, the founder is Andrew Kerno, who we have on the phone now. Good evening, Andrew. How are you, John? I'm good, my friend. How and yourself? Very well, thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on the program. So. Um, as I say, what we do is we f we feature a start a startup on each uh, on each program, and uh, the interesting thing about startups is always finding out well what it is and what it's all about. So um, maybe you could kick off by just telling us what MIT is and uh, what it's all about. Sure. Well, um, I heard you talking earlier about uh, pivots, um, mm -hmm. and like many things, uh, MIT started out as something different. Um, I've heard pivot defined as. Uh, so what, what your business goes through when the problem changes. Um, and that was definitely um, what happened with us. We originally started out as like a, a social version of TripAdvisor. Um, we were trying to put um, tourists in touch with locals so they could get all the inside info. Um, but uh, travel is, is quite hard to scale. Uh, mm. So while, while I, was, I was thinking about that, I came across a, an article from a, of a journalist who had moved to Canberra. Um, and had found it quite difficult to, to make friends and, and build up any kind of social fabric in, in this new location. And um, as someone who's generally introverted myself, um, I found that I had experienced that many times. I've moved around and travelled quite a bit. Um, so it was, that was a problem that I, you know, quite related to. Um, and that when I had been looking to, to, to meet people, um, being in a new city or changing jobs or something like that, there wasn't really any go-to service um, for, for, for doing that, you know, you think of music discovery. It's it's iTunes or Spotify, or if you if you're dating, it's Bumble or Tinder or something like that. But when it comes to meeting people platonically, there's no real standout service. Um, and so I looked further into it, um, and I uncovered a lot of statistics on social isolation and loneliness, and um, realised that it's actually a really big problem for a lot of people. Um, and if you remember. 10, 15 years ago when social networking kind of started. Um, but the idea was that it would connect everybody and we all have these wonderful relationships and everyone would be talking all the time. And it hasn't really um, eventuated. You know, we are all connected, but people still aren't connecting. Um, and so as an entrepreneur, you want to work on big, difficult problems. Um, so that, that's what we're doing. We're trying to, to, to bring people together and give people a, an easy and accessible way to, to make new friends, because making friends as an adult is hard. Okay, so so coming to our underlying theme about understanding and dealing with the question of what problem are you solving, in very simple terms then, you're you're trying to solve the problem of loneliness? Would that be a fair way of putting yeah, it? Yeah, which we're trying to, to I guess, hack uh, human connection. Mm -hmm. um, you know, humans are the most social creature, um, but somehow we still haven't figured out how to to really, um, you know, make it easy to get to know each other. Um, you know, uh, there's statistics out there from Swinburne University that suggest that, you know, 57% of people under the age of 25 commonly experience loneliness. Um, and that, num that number's on the rise through just about every developed nation. So uh, it's a big problem. And even more so with uh, COVID-19. Absolutely. Well, that, that's just really brought it to the surface. Um, it was it was a little bit of a, I guess, a hidden problem because the people who experience it are, by definition, off the radar. 
Um, so you've got to you've got to try and, uh, and hunt that out. But with the with everyone being put into the same boat, it just it just brought all the feelings of isolation together and uh, really made it um, you know very vocal. Okay, so I think one of the descriptors you use for the for the product service um, is as a social utility. So, yes. what exactly do you mean by that? Okay, so if you think about, um, I don't know if you remember when search engines first started, um, AltaVista and Yahoo and things like that, and mm-hmm. you would get on to an old search engine and there would be banner ads and, and stuff everywhere um, because they were trying to sell you things, um, because they wanted to capture your attention. And then Google came on, came along, super clean interface, and all they wanted you to do, all they wanted to do was get you from A to B as quickly as possible. Um, we want to be the same kind of thing for social networks. So because social, with most social networks, they don't really have a product, so your attention is the product. Um, they want to monopolise your time so that they can sell your attention to advertisers. What we want to do is we want to be a conduit for your attention. We want to take you from where you are to where you want to be as quickly as possible as possible. Um, and where you want to be, presumably, in interacting with other human beings. So would this be interacting with other people in a physical location or is this going to be online as a platform? It's, we, we, our, one of our major assumptions is that people want to take connections that they form online, offline. Um, with a lot of services that are out there at the moment, things like Meetup and stuff like that, there's, there's already there's people who are already fairly outgoing who are willing to put themselves out there and go and do something new. Um, but a lot of people don't build relationships that way. For a lot of people, relations are built up over repeated social interactions, you know, gaining trust over time. So we want to, the way our platform basically works is we find out your interests, you select your interests when you sign up to the app and we have a look at the things that you're into um, and we look at your location and we surround you with other people uh, on the app who, are, who share similar interests. And from then on, you can basically do what you want. If you want to do a shout-out and have an activity, you can do that. If you want to join someone else's activity, you can do that. If you just want to browse content from people who are like you and build up a slow um, you know, interaction, you can do that. It's entirely up to yourself. Um, but we, want to base, we basically want to put you in the best situation possible online to build relationships that you can then take offline. So have you got the platform available now that if people wanted to download the app and, and jump on board and start meeting people, is that available now? Uh, social distancing rules apply. Um, we do. We have an MVP for Android, which is on uh, Google Play, so you can download that now. Uh, and we are working on um, the iOS version as well. Um, it, is an, it is an MVP. We're not fully... Uh, fully featured yet, uh, but we've got enough uh, features up there so that, yes, you, as soon as the uh, social distancing uh, restrictions are laxed a little bit, you could certainly get out there and start meeting people. But you, you could meet people and start forming, you know, chats and relationships Absolutely. on the platform itself, yes? Absolutely. Okay, so um, if if I was on Android and I wanted to download the, the app, how would I find it? The easiest way to do it is to get onto the website. So it's uh, co. so just meet.co, um, and there is a link through to our uh, Android uh, download page on the website. Aha. Uh-huh. 
Well, I, think, I think I should just decode one little bit of startup speak is that MVP, MVP stands for minimum viable product. So that's basically what a startup sets has at the beginning, uh, which is the minimum product to, to get to get. Or to put it in another way, basically, it is uh, a prototype. A working prototype working in another prototype. way of, yeah. of looking at it. So it's a it's a prototype that you can get in and, and start working. Correct? So bare bones version, something you can be embarrassed about in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 you're at the MVP stage, certainly with the Android version. Um, so I'm just looking at them, uh, this is a more in a more holistic way, uh, and just to play devil's advocate with it for a moment or two. I mean. <laughs> We all know there are lots of different social platforms out there, different social connections, all these different products from dating products through to all these other, all these other things. What, I mean, you've, you've alluded to what the product is intended to do, but what, what is going to really give you guys this, the real cut through against this myriad of competitors that are out there? What do you think is going to be the key that's going to unlock that? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. I think giving people the flexibility to get to know each other in the way that suits them. Um, it's not as it's not as uh, forward as a, as a swipe right or a swipe left. You don't have to organise a, a meet. Um, you don't have to go along to a meet where the location or the time may not suit you. Um, we try and give you as many tools as possible to interact with people in the way that suits you. Um, and we also really want to cater to the individual interests. Um, so we want to get to know you over time in terms of the things that you like and don't like and we want to basically improve the environment that we put you in so that you come in contact with more and more people that you are likely to get along with in real life. Um, if you think about it, we want to basically serve you people in the same way that Facebook and Google serve you ads. <laughs> so you're working on an algorithm that is, is going to... to follow my likes? Uh, we don't want to know too much about you. Uh, we, we, we deliberately don't track data that we don't need because we don't intend to sell data and we don't plan to sell ads. Um, we only need the very minimum information. So just basically the top, topics of interest that you like to follow, things that you like to see and how you like to use the app itself. We don't need to know everything about you because we're not trying to sell you products off platform. Okay, so when when you initially register, you've got to go on and you've got to give a little bit of information about your likes and interests and that sort of thing, yeah? Very, yeah, very, very little. You sign up with a social account, which gives us your basic info, name, age, location, you know, avatar, stuff like that, and then you'll select your interests. And from then on, we only keep track of the things that you create inside the app. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's interesting. And I'm, I'm guessing, I'm going to make a bit of an assumption here, that you're relying on, um, and it's, a, it's currently a word you shouldn't use that much really, but we're relying on viral growth here, not of the COVID variety, clearly. Um, uh, are you looking for that within the growth of the product? Yeah, you, you need to. As, as, a, as a network, that's really the only way you, you can grow. You can't you can't really buy users as a network because it just flames out as soon as you stop spending. Um, so we need to build a product that people absolutely love, and that's what we're working on at the moment. We're not really worried about growth at the moment. We're more trying to, to perfect the product in terms of giving something that people really, really love um, because then they will spread it themselves. Mm. The, the flip side to that, of course, is that getting started is really hard because you've got that network effect problem that age-old thing about nobody wants to use it until everybody's got it, and how do you break that conundrum? 
Yeah, so the, the cold start is, is difficult for, for networks and it makes um, kind of validating the users a little bit trickier. Um, so we've got a, a few ideas around that. We Once we are confident with the product, um, we will probably use some kind of pay advertising just to see that particular community, like the Redlands, for example, um, and try and build up to, to a critical mass of, of users in one particular location. Um, and then we can spread virally from there. Okay. So are you targeting any particular geographic territories to fill the launch? Uh, it, well, four of our team members are Brisbaneites. Um, so the Redlands looks like a pretty good place to start. Um, and definitely Brisbane would be the, the, the first city that we would target for sure. Well, you work in the Redlands. Archie's just up the road. <laughs> so... It, 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 it's, it's, it's a tough place to beat in, in terms of community. So exactly. It would be a very good place to start. We've got a very good community down here, and you're a part of it. 100%. <laughs> so whatever we can do to help. Andrew, that's, uh, that, that's interesting. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. Just tell me, just I'm just interested though, I mean, how, how does the sort of monetization business model bit work for you guys then? <laughs> Yeah, we've got a couple of ideas around that. Um, the primary one that we, we looked at was um, because we're local and we operate in real time, we'd be looking at um, running, uh, helping local businesses. So if, you, if you're running a restaurant, you're having a quiet Tuesday night, you can put a special on, you know, next 10 people down here in the next hour or something like that, get a special, and we would take a transaction fee off those transactions. Um, that's one model that we're looking at. We're also looking at like a freemium type subscription service um, to give base to give people who want to have more exposure um, some some better tools for content creation and, and things like that. Um, the thing with with like like a social type network or a social product, um, you've got a you know there's three billion mobile social users in the world today, so the market is enormous. So mm -hmm. if you can produce a product that people absolutely love. The market is big enough that the monetization tends to take care of itself. Mm. Um, so that's not our focus at the moment, um, being a, a, a strictly consumer product. So the, the biggest thing that we're working on now is getting that um, that product market fit. And fortunately, as a, as a bootstrap team, we're, we're not on a time, uh, time limit. We've got uh, almost zero burn, which gives us basically unlimited runway, so we can take our time getting the product right. Okay. And now, there's a few other terms that, that you can explain uh, a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, we'll come to those later on if you like. I'll let John define those. Exactly. So, can I ask you, Andrew, how long have you and Aki been working on this? Like, this is the entrepreneur's journey. How long have you been on this journey for? Uh, we are three years into the 10-year overnight success. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so I started as a, I'm non-technical, I don't write code, um, so I started um, about three years ago, I registered the, the website, um, and I spent probably the first 12 months or a little bit more um, building a, a prototype using offshore outsourcing, which was an experience in itself. Um, but what that didn't enable me to do was it enabled me then to use that prototype to demonstrate the idea and attract the team. Um, so we've had, uh, Anki's been on board as my co-founder and CTO for just coming up to two years now. Uh, we've got uh, three other uh, gentlemen working on it as well. 
So three years into a 10-year plan. That's it. The old 10-year overnight success. <laughs> exactly. But right now, if, uh, if people want to jump on and test the platform, they can, they can come on, test the platform. Can they, via the platform, give you feedback? Like if, they, if there's something that they like or don't like, they can give you feedback? Absolutely. I'm on there. Um, so I'm probably the first record that they see. Uh, so if anyone wants to jump on the platform, they can message me directly on the app and I'd be thrilled to, to hear their feedback. Okay. And how, if, if they jump on, as an example, tonight, uh-huh. and, well, you're on the radio with us, but if they jump on tonight and they're looking for other people around the area, how would they find other people? Like, is it purely by location? Is it purely by interest? Is it, you know... Yeah, so, so there's, there's a, a, like a, a familiar feed that they'll see when they, when they jump on, um, and you can scroll through the feed and find people um, within a, a, like a, a similar type of distance. Um, we don't restrict it at the moment because we, we don't have a lot of users. Um, we, don't, we have not done any marketing or anything like that. So the only people that are using the app at the moment are people who kind of stumbled across it. Um, and they're helping us test it, and we, we get great feedback from, from those users. Um, so there's not a lot to see on there at the moment, which is what John alluded to before in terms of the, the cold start problem for networks. Um, but any, any users that we get, I try and reach out to personally um, just to, to get their thoughts on the app, how they found us, why they're looking for, for um, something like this in the first place, and then we use that feedback to try and uh, make a better product. That's cool. So if you want to help, if you want to help Andrew and Meet do some testing, then jump on the app. Please, please sign up, and I'll be in touch to get all the all the goods and bads. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the web page again? Uh, it's meet.co, So m So you can go and check that out if you've got an Android phone. You can Correct. If you, don't have an, yeah. if you don't have an Android, if you have an iOS, jump on the website anyway, sign up. We'll let you know as soon as it's available. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, Andrew, a couple of, couple of questions before we wrap up. Um, uh, obviously, there's, there's two threads to our discussion this evening. One is, is the world of startups, and the other is um, how COVID-19 has, effect, has affected business. So, uh, on your three years into the 10-year journey, um, how has COVID-19, has COVID-19 impacted you on this year? Um, it's yeah, it, it has. It, it hasn't affected us on the business side because we are a remote team and we've always been a remote team. Um, so in terms of how we work, it hasn't really affected us that way. Um, what it has done is it's really brought to the surface a lot of um, the assumptions that we were working on. So because a lot of people were, were going through you know different types, different phases of isolation and. Um, it was much easier to get that kind of feedback in terms of what they missed, what they wanted to do when the restrictions were, were laxed. And what we what we found as a common thread through all of it is that people, what people were missing was their interaction with their loved ones and their friends. Um, so, you know, something as simple as a keyword search on Twitter brings up a mountain of information in terms of what people are, are thinking and feeling and, and, and that kind of stuff. So it certainly helped us in terms of um, being able to get that feedback and test some of our assumptions. Um, obviously, from a, um, a functionality standpoint, because people can't go out and meet people, it kind of puts us in hibernation. But a lot of Australia is in hibernation at the moment, so we'll just ride that out. Mm. 
okay so so bizarrely it's kind of validated the model for you a bit or helped validate the model yeah it's definitely helped give us a, a lot more data in terms of um of you know what what people you know want from from a, a social a social platform and it's kind of you know, validated the idea that you know a purely online uh, interaction mm-hmm. isn't really cutting it for most people mm. okay all right, that's fascinating. That's it's, it's interesting. Yeah, well, I, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um, I'm not... I, I can find with Facebook and even uh, LinkedIn to a degree that you can spend an awful lot of time there, waste an awful lot of time, and really not get anything out of it. Except you can, you can waste <laughs> a lot of time interacting with your 1,200 closest and best friends. Yes. Exactly, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you can read all of these interesting things. However, it, all I find is it just makes me late for doing the other bits and pieces that I know I need to do. I like having the face-to-face, uh, even text messages. If you're going to text me, it's got to be short. I do not like having conversations on text. That annoys the living daylights out of me. Phone can do phone, but I really like the face-to-face kind of stuff. You yeah, can reach people yeah. a whole lot better. There's these amazing things called telephones. You can have real-time one-to-one communication with people. It's incredible. Even still, I, and, and that's what I do with you. Um, John sends me a text. I pick up the phone and call. <laughs> It's so annoying. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not really. Just, just, just before we before we wrap up, uh, Andrew, the one as I say, one question I'm asking all of our guests this evening is is around this question of thinking more generally. What is your view of what the business world is going to look like post COVID nineteen? Oh, I think oh. we've lost him. Oh. Hello? Hello? And, no, well, we'll, we'll get him back. Uh, Andrew, hold uh, the line. Hold we'll get you back. We'll get you back. We'll yeah, have a, a musical interlude. That's this a good idea. Adele <laughs> Bay FM. Adele Bay FM 100.3, rolling in the deep. I love Adele. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see her when she came out to Australia. Damn. Next time, next time, this is Bay FM Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey. And we're, we're nearly to the end of the journey, John. Nearly, yeah. nearly, but not quite. No. We actually missed out on, well, Andrew from Meet, M-I-I-T, uh, heard half of the question oh, before right. the phone, technologically. That's, gotta the, love that's it. the risk of betraying myself. Well, we, got, we got Andrew back. Is Andrew there? Is he back? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. He's back. He's back. We'll, 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 pick up, we'll pick up where the gremlins got in the way. Um, so, just to, so, just to recap the question I was asking, as I say, asking every guest this this evening, just want to get a bit of insight as to what your view is of what the business world will be like post COVID 19. At a general level, yeah, we actually did a little bit of research on this um, to get some some consumer consumer sentiment as well. And um, I, th- I think you'll find that consumers as a whole will be maybe a little bit more discerning, um, a little bit more considered um, in terms of you know what they do, where they go, who they go with, things like that. Um, so I think there's probably be some opportunity for for business there to capitalise on that. Um, if they want to make that a, a point of their service in terms of, you know, um, spacing, hygiene, you know, c- 
customer delivery, that all that kind of stuff. I think people will mm. probably be more appreciative of that. Um, but on a, on another note, like everyone knows someone who's been affected by this, either you know through their health or their job or their business or something like that. And I think it's really put the focus back on local um, and on, on on community. I'll agree um, with that. And I wouldn't be surprised if once all this is over that people are kind of more um, more conscientious about, you know, buying local, supporting the smaller businesses, you know, stepping away from the big chains and things like that and kind of trying to have a bit more of a, a tighter community because they've kind of been forced to look inwards over the last couple of months. So, um, yeah, I definitely think there'll probably be a stronger focus on, on community going forward. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's there's a lot of there, there was that. a question yeah. mark in your. Um, yeah. I, no, I was just considering that, and I was I was comparing those sentiments, which I completely agree with, with some of the earlier comments, especially some of the comments Colin was making about how more and more will move online. You can still do local online, but exactly. So I was sort of thinking, where do those two intersect? Well, I can tell you, yeah. I've got a, yep. I've got seven Absolutely. sheets in front mm. of me of businesses, local local businesses, mm. that have all had to um, pivot in yep. some way, shape, yep. or form because yep. of the coronavirus, mm. and a, a lot are changing the way they're doing business, and a number of them have had to been forced to go on online mm. uh, and we can still do that like yep. give you an example the first one we were chatting with the yeah. tonight uh jeff sounds well, very fresh they've that, done exactly that exactly yeah. yep. so yeah, jeff true. and Padamore's meats and uh, mm. banjo's bakery they've all had to do that very quickly and they've, they've done it successfully but they're servicing local Mm. No, that's, that's, a, that's, a very, that's very valid. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. That's, uh, that's a really interesting insight. So just remind us again, if somebody is interested in this stuff, they're looking at this sort of social angles and that sort of thing, maybe the traditional social media paths aren't quite working for them as well as they could do, where do they need to go to? Just go to www.meetmit.co. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. And what would be extra cool is if you jumped online and you did download that app um, to to help Andrew and to give him feedback and say, hey, mate, that's really good. No, I want you to do this. I want you to do that, you know, and be a part of bringing this social platform to a living, breathing thing. You can be a part of it. I kind of figured that that's kind of cool. Get online now. <laughs> well, no, maybe you wait till just after 11, because you just after 10 when you finish listening to us. So there we go. <laughs> then, I, then I can reply to them all personally. Yeah, exactly, because, yeah, you're on the phone with us. Andrew, thank you so much for, for being part of the entrepreneur's journey tonight. Is there anything else that you would like to, to mention about being uh, an entrepreneur? No, I'd just like to really thank you guys for the job that, that you're doing and, and obviously John with Startup Redlands and the, the guys down at the bench and all that kind of thing. Um, it is fantastic to have a kind of like a local place to, to bring these people together. Um, it can be a very lonely journey sometimes. Um, and so having other, you know, like-minded people to bounce ideas off and um, kind of stress test thinking and, and things like that, it's, it's, it's a really, really... Uh, good, uh, you know, it's great for, for people more like myself and, and any entrepreneur. So, yeah, just really appreciative of what you guys are doing. 
That's very kind of you to say so, but we do, I, I do it because it's fun as well. <laughs> right. I agree. <laughs> thank you, Andrew, thank you very much indeed for joining us this evening. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. This is Bay FM 100.3, Entrepreneur's Journey, and well, we're nearly at the end. Nearly at the end. Nearly at the end. It's, it has been an awesome night. Yeah, we've covered a lot of ground and, and got a lot of different Yet views again. and opinions on things. And uh, I'm just trying to just run all through that all in my mind. We've had a lot of di different... Uh, we've come to this from several different angles. I'd, I'm quite interested in this, that question about what, how do people see the future, the post-COVID-19 thing. One of the reasons I'm interested in it is because there, there seems to be a range of opinions and views around it. And they broadly seem to go from the world is going to be really different, it's going to be completely different, everything you knew before, forget it all, all the rules are going to change, at one extreme. And at the other extreme, I've been reading some stuff that's been saying, yeah, but actually there's a trend that whenever any of these big black swan unexpected big events happen, that's the way everybody reacts. Everybody goes, it's going to be completely different. There's going to be massive changes. But the usual trend is eventually it restabilizes back to something very approximate to what it was before. I can understand that. However, the big black swan events that have occurred previously have been fairly quick, really. This one has been different in as much as everyone is affected. Not just a select number of people, but everyone is affected. And people have had to go into lockdown. We've never had to do that before. This has changed. It, it, it is different because I think the, the closest... Uh comparison we have for this was uh, 100 years ago with mm -hmm. the Spanish flu mm -hmm. and we lived in a completely different world technologically then. The difference this time around is we have a different level of technology available to us, not just to communicate about the virus but also to deal with and overcome the issues. Mm. So you're looking at a, a situation where businesses can pivot around online models, can do things differently and consumer and business behaviours can change. And in a way, that wasn't available 100 years ago. wasn't even available 20 years ago. Precisely. So I think we're looking at it, there are differences. So I think that's, in, that's reflected in some of the comments that we've had this evening. Um, I mean, you know, going back to Jeff was talking about seeing a future of that had opportunity in it. Um, and he was talking about things pivoting towards more simplicity in terms of how things are done. I think that echo echoes a little with the stuff Andrew was talking about, about more local focus. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people are more concerned about making sure there is a local infrastructure of businesses. I know for a fact when I go out and look to buy things, if I can buy it local, I will do so. And I will think about that probably more now than I did before because I want to have a local business environment that's thriving and successful. And that is quite literally part of the reason why we at Bay FM have said, if you're in business, tell us what you're doing. Are your doors open? Have you had to change? Are you online? What can we do to help you? Because we want to see that local business stay. Yeah. And we want the doors to remain open. So here's a, here's a few more. 
uh, of our local businesses. Uh, Gills Timber and Hardware for all your timber needs. They're open 7:30 a.m. every day until 4:30 p.m. Uh, Monday to Friday and Saturdays 8 until noon. There's a lot of people doing uh, renovations at home <laughs> at the moment. Also, want to say a big thank you to Capalabar Carnations. They're open. They're trading seven days a week in St Anthony's Drives, Alex Hills, uh, for a couple of weeks leading up to Mother's Day. They were giving out flowers for winners. Uh, we were talking about it for a couple of weeks, but uh, for, for Mother's Day. It was just absolutely amazing. And the flowers that they gave out were beautiful. So don't forget, they are open seven days a week. Brighton, I'll be home with a bunch of flowers. They'll deliver in the Redlands. You can order online. You can contact them. Um, Cap Khan at bigpond.com. So that's Capalabar Carnations, but just chop that off. Cap Khan at bigpond.com. Capalabar Carnations, absolutely wonderful. And Brad and the folks at Freeze Tech are open for all your caravan repairs, marine and recreational vehicles, starting to get out and about again. So go and check them out. Freeze Tech. And they're also the agents for, for Waco, which is very cool. So there's just a we literally have about seven pages of businesses, and I'm so proud that um, that we can tell you about them. Mm. We can we can say, hey, the the doors are still open. Go and support our local businesses. They're there for you. Now, speaking of supporting local businesses, there is one other thing I just wanted to briefly cover, um, and this is uh, this is something that's actually been done by by Redland City Council. Uh, you might be interested to know about this. Um, they're actually offering some of their own business support grant programs. Mm -hmm. um, so just a little bit of an update. If you want to find out more about this, go to the, the Redland City Council website, www.redland.qld.gov.au. There's a big red banner at the top of the homepage. Oh, slash COVID-19. Yeah, and, and you can find the details on this. And in fact, the ones I'm talking about are pretty much at the top of the page. So they're doing a business support grant, um, and there's two threads to this. There's one for professional advice services so if you're a business locally you can get a grant of up to a thousand dollars to get professional advice the advice must come from another business based in the redlands so that's engendering local yes. support so the areas they're talking about it could be things like accounting financial planning business consultancy legal services uh, human resource services and other business specific advisors so if you've got an issue that you think you could use some external paid for advice on and you would like a thousand dollars to help you do that then head to that site if you're a local business and the advice is coming from another local business then you could well be eligible for that grant well, go and have tonight a tonight we were talking with you um, yeah. advice point business consulting uh, also with the free version is um, startup redlands uh, mm. that's on hold for the time being until we can open up through social distancing but john john burkett has his own business he can give you advice and like, if you need the $1,000 from the council, go and apply for it. Have a chat with John Burkett from Advice Point Business Consulting Proprietary Limited. You can go and check out the webpage. 
www.advicepoint.com.au and even better we've now got an entrepreneur's journey page within that site so if you click on entrepreneur's journey at the top of the page uh, that'll take you into the page we have for this program uh, so there's access to things like the podcasts you can also apply for a little bit of free mentoring that I'm happy to offer to a few businesses each month and also that'll also put you in maybe for coming onto the uh, feature startup on this program as well like Andrew tonight mm -hmm, absolutely one other thing I'll just mention though on the on the on the Redlands uh, grants that they've got uh, the other thread to their grants is something called innovation funding so this is where they if you are looking at introducing some innovative change into your business and you want some help and support with that uh, they're happy to look at that as well that's a grant of up to five thousand um, dollars could be use of technology research design innovative products services projects or collaborations so uh, that's part of the advancing regional innovation program uh, that money kind of needs to be spent I happen to know uh, so if you're looking at anything innovative in that and again if you want help and support getting that going have a look at that grant program uh, and again there are a number of other people around Redlands who can help you out with that kind of thing that's fantastic and one of the other guests that we had uh, this evening Warren 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 would, would certainly slot into into the first category there the professional advice services uh, innovation uh, advisory stuff stuff that I do as it happens but it doesn't matter it can be whatever to do with innovation bear in mind innovation doesn't have to be about websites technology it can be about business process it can be about design of innovative new products or services and that sort of thing so that's innovation in its broader sense that the council are trying to support there and they they should be commended for that because i think that's uh, i think that's really good so there is some good stuff happening around there is some support available uh, and there will be light at the end of this tunnel absolutely and we will be back in about four weeks doing the searchlight entrepreneur's journey john Thank you very much. It's been great and looking forward to being back in four weeks' time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Have a great rest of the evening. This is Bay FM 100.3. Thank you for joining us. The Mad Hatter's Bookshop is a magical book lover's wonderland. 